Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. As Colin said, my name is Shane Hatfield, and I am the campus minister for Reformed University Fellowship at Oklahoma State University. Uh, and it's a privilege and honor to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. I want to thank you so much for supporting our ministry, for praying for myself and my family, and for loving students here in Dallas and loving students all over the region and all over the world. Thank you so much. And I want to do just a little object lesson just to show you how important it is uh, what you're doing, investing. You know, because college students are going to go to college for a time and then they're going to scatter and they're going to disperse, right? They're going to go all different places. So I want to ask you to be charismatic for just a second, okay? And if you were involved in a campus ministry in college, any campus ministry, RUF, crew, navigators, BCM, whatever, please raise your hand. Okay, all right, put those down. So most of the adults in the room. Now, raise your hand if you were involved in a campus ministry in Dallas. Three, four hands, maybe. Okay, put your hands down. You have just illustrated the fact that somebody invested in you in college somewhere else, and then you ended up here. It was, their reach wasn't just to that region. Their reach was all across the country, all across the world. Your reach is going to be felt all across the world as students leave Oklahoma State and go worship Jesus and follow him and serve in churches all over the region. Thank you so much for investing in us. Please continue to pray for us and pray for me as I bring uh, God's word to us this morning from Psalm 23. If you have a Bible, please open it up to Psalm 23, one of the most uh, beloved passages of the Bible. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is Life with the Shepherd. Am I on? Am I good? Okay. I've never preached it before, so the sound is a little deadening here. Just making sure. Wouldn't that be like the worst first impression? Yeah, the guy preached for 40 minutes and we never heard a word he said. He might be good. I don't know. Psalm 23. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Sorry, almost forgot that. There you go. Colin said if I forgot anything, he would cut my honorarium. Now, Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Gracious Father in heaven, you have said in your word that you are a shepherd. That you have sheep. That you love those sheep and you provide for those sheep. We come to you this morning as needy sheep. We need you to feed us physically and spiritually. We need you to give us rest mentally, emotionally, and physically. 
We need you to relieve us from the anguish of our suffering and the guilt and shame of our sin. So we pray this morning that by your word and by your spirit that you would feed your sheep, that you would comfort us and that you would show us what it means to live with you and be your people. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Michael Gordon was a campus minister uh, a few years ago, and I believe he pastored the church that Matt has taken over. Matt, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so Matt has taken over his pulpit. But Michael Gordon used to be a campus minister, and he tells a story of a time when he served on a, on a Welsh farm, right? He was, a, he was a farmer, and one day he went out onto this farm, and he went out to have sort of a Psalm 23 moment. He walked out into the pasture, he saw the fluffy clouds, he saw the beautiful green grass, he saw the sheep resting and grazing there comfortably. And he thought to himself, man, this is just like Psalm 23. And he heard, the Lord is my shepherd, running in the background of his mind. Then he heard something else. He heard a ba. It's a a word that started but, but didn't really finish. And he thought, hmm, that sounds funny. So he started to walk towards this noise. And as he walked towards it, he heard, ba, ba. And it sounded like a sheep, but it was sort of muffled, like it was coming out of a computer or a synthesizer or something like that. So he walked closer and closer. And as he got to this sound, he saw two white puffy legs coming out of a hole, kicking. And he saw the sheep going, ba, ba, ba. It was a sheep that was stuck halfway in a hole in the ground. And he said it was almost as if this sheep was saying, where is my shepherd? Where is my shepherd? Come help me. And Michael says, this was a sheep without a shepherd. So I heard that story and I wondered to myself, what would it look like for us to be sheep without a shepherd? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor and theologian during the World War II era, He describes shepherdless sheep this way. He says, a shepherdless sheep have questions, but no answers. Distress, but no relief. Anguish of conscience, but no deliverance. Tears, but no consolation. Sin, but no forgiveness. Is that you this morning? Do you feel like a sheep without a shepherd? Do you have questions but no answers? Do you have anguish but no relief? Do you have distress but no deliverance? Do you have tears without consolation? Do you have sins but no forgiveness? If that's you this morning and it it certainly is me at times, then Psalm 23 has good news for us. Psalm 23 says that if the Lord is your shepherd, he meets all of those needs for you. If the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have answers to your questions. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have deliverance from your enemy. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have relief in the midst of your anguish. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have forgiveness 
for your sins. You are not a sheep stuck in a hole in the ground, kicking and bleeding uselessly. You are a sheep resting in the arms of your shepherd who loves you and loves to provide for you. So this morning, I want us to look at from Psalm 23, what life with the shepherd is like. And I hope you will see that if he is your shepherd, you lack nothing. In a book called The Shepherd Leader, Timothy Whitmer says that a biblical shepherd does four things for his sheep. He knows his sheep, he leads his sheep, he feeds his sheep, and he protects his sheep. So those are our four points this morning, four things that you are going to see from the text. And, and never fear, Colin told me that if I went over an hour, he'd cut my honorarium. So we'll keep it short. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that the shepherd knows his sheep. When you read Psalm 23, one of the first things that you notice, it is deeply personal. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All through the passage... There are first-person pronouns. He doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord is like a shepherd. He says the Lord is my shepherd. For him, the Lord was the God of the universe who created all things. He was the Genesis 1 God, the creator, sustainer, ruler of the heavens and earth. But he wasn't just a distant, powerful God out there. He was an intimate God. He was a personal God. See, the Lord is the covenant name for God. The the relational name for God that David knew him as. David and Israel knew him as. They knew him as the God who said, I will be your God and you will be my people. For David, the Lord was intimate and personal. The Lord was his shepherd. We don't know when David wrote this, uh, but we can imagine. Maybe he wrote it while he was sitting alone as a young boy tending his flock. Maybe he wrote it as he was on the run from Saul, hiding in a cave, wondering if he was going to die. Maybe he wrote it as he was sitting on the throne ruling as king. But you can imagine sort of the question in his mind, am I alone? Is anybody with me? Do I have a shepherd and those are questions that we ask ourselves as well, aren't they? Aren't they? We ask ourselves the same questions. Am I alone? Does anybody know me? Do I have a shepherd? Those are the questions that resonate deep in our hearts. They resonate in the hearts of college students. They resonate in the hearts of non-college students of all ages. I recently listened to a podcast called Fermi's Paradox. It was on This American Life. And it told three different stories. The first one is a story about an NPR producer, actually, who, uh, <laughs> who had sort of an existential crisis over aliens and UFOs. It, so Fermi's paradox is the idea that there's all this, that the universe is so vast and so complex that there must be aliens out there. But if there are aliens out there, then why haven't they visited us? Why don't we see them? Why isn't there more information And that's called Fermi's Paradox. It's this tension between there should be something out there, we should know them, but we don't. And he had sort of this crisis, like, are we alone in the universe? So that was one story. There was another story about a family where the husband had been living a double life. The wife exposed him, and they were trying to reconcile their marriage. But they couldn't do it. 
because the wife had all this pain and suffering because she didn't really know her husband. And the husband had all this pain and suffering so he couldn't enter into knowing his wife. And their marriage was broken. And the third story was a story about a little girl whose parents were divorced. She went to live with her dad. She had to go to a new school at a new place. And she didn't know anybody at school and she felt lonely. Maybe, maybe some of you students in here, you go to school and you feel lonely. She felt the way that you feel. So she wanted to get to know her daughter, her dad. So she began asking her dad questions all the time, sort of like kids do, like why this, why that. Her dad got so annoyed that finally said, okay, I want you to write all your questions down on a sheet of paper and I will try to answer them as best as I can. She wrote down 50 of life's hardest questions. Parents, be careful what you wish for, right? The producer asked her, they said, why did you ask your dad all these questions? And she said, because I wanted to know him and I wanted him to know me. Am I known? Am I alone? Is anybody with me? That's a question that resonates deep in our heart. And what this text says is that if the Lord is your shepherd, he knows you. He knows every hair on your head because he's numbered them. He knows your personality because he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows your sins because he sees all, but he also knows the consolation that he's given you because he knows that he's poured out grace upon you. He knows your suffering and he knows your celebration. He knows you, he loves you, and he accepts you. If the Lord is your shepherd, he knows you. He loves you and he accepts you. That's the first thing we see in this text is that the shepherd knows his sheep. The second thing we see in the text is that the shepherd leads his sheep. If you read Psalm 23 from beginning to end, it really leads like a journey. One journey with three different scenes or vignettes, right? It starts with the sheep in the pasture. David is in the pasture with the shepherd, experiencing all of the fullness of life with the shepherd. It's the first scene. Then it moves to the second scene where the sheep is in the valley of death. It's a dangerous scene. It's a suspenseful, scary scene but the shepherd is with the sheep. Then it moves to the last scene where David is in the house and the shepherd has become the gracious host who is entertaining and feeding David. It's sort of like Lord of the Rings, right? If you've read the books or you're lazy like me and you watch the movies, you know that it's one journey, but you have three different scenes. When this, David makes it clear over and over again All the way through, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, the Lord is leading him. said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The shepherd is leading him through this journey. And if you read the Bible cover to cover, you're going to realize that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign over all things, that he has a plan, that he is working out that plan, and that he is leading his sheep. One of my favorite passages of the Bible is Proverbs 16. I'm an anxious person. I'm a warrior. I'm an organizer. And so these verses comfort me. Proverbs 16.1 says, To man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Verse 9 says, 
In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And verse 33 says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Bible teaches, and Psalm 23 teaches, that the Lord is in control and that he is leading his sheep. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Life feels confusing and painful. It's mysterious. We don't know what's going on. Half the time, you know, we don't even know, uh, you know, why we are where we are presently, much less where we're going to be in the future. It's filled with uncertainty. Uh, There's a band that I've been listening to a lot uh, named Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Maybe you've heard of them. If you haven't, um, I would recommend checking them out, I think. Uh, it's, they're a good band. But they've got a new song called New Year. And the chorus goes like this. It's a new year. It's a new song. It's the same mystery. And the whole song sort of paints this story of life is mysterious. And there are twists and turns and there's suffering and there's celebration. And we don't necessarily understand it. But what Psalm 23 tells us is that the Lord is in control. Uh, Leo Schuster, who uh, preached on Psalm 23, tells a fantastic story about uh, a cat that he knew while he was growing up. Uh, He lived next to a neighbor, a very eccentric neighbor. Her name was Miss Vera Swain, and Miss Swain had a cat named Pie Wicket. He said one day as he and his family were leaving the house, they were driving off, they pulled up to the, you know, stop light or stop sign outside their house. He looked out the passenger window, and there he saw Miss Swain. And he looked up, and on top of Miss Swain's car, he saw Pie Wicket, the cat, on top of the car. He thought, oh, oh no, I better tell her so she doesn't drive off. But before he could roll down the window and tell her, she drove off with Pie Wicket on the top of the car. Right? Now imagine Pie Wicket riding on the top of the car through the streets. Right? It's clinging to dear life. There's twists and there's turns and there's obstacles and things all around that could hit it and hurt it and injure it. Imagine Pie Wicket is probably wondering, is there anyone driving this car? What's going on here? Where am I going? What's happening? I think that's oftentimes how we feel in life, isn't it? Like we're on the top of this car clinging for dear life and wondering, is there anybody driving this car? And where are we going? And what the Bible says is that the Lord is driving the car. That the Lord of the universe, your shepherd, is in the driver's seat. And he is leading you down a path of righteousness for his glory. And you're good. I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. But I believe by faith the Bible teaches that the Lord is leading you and he has a purpose for whatever you're going through. James 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Wherever your shepherd is leading you in, wherever he's leading you, he is leading you to a place where you lack nothing where you are mature and complete. If the Lord is your shepherd, he leads you. The Lord knows his sheep. The Lord leads his sheep. And thirdly, the Lord feeds his sheep. Okay? All through this passage, David describes how the Lord feeds him, how the shepherd feeds the sheep. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
It's hot outside. When it gets hot, the grass gets brown and the grass dies. That's not good grass to eat. Good grass to eat is green grass. So the shepherd leads the sheep where there's good grass to feed and eat so he can be nourished. It says, he leads me beside still waters. I don't know if you've seen a sheep before, but they're not very athletic animals. Take the sheep that you see on the Hallmark card and add like 100 pounds to it. That's what they are. If the, if the water is moving too fast, they can't get the water that they need. So a good shepherd leads his sheep beside still waters where he can drink easily and get the nourishment that he needs. It says that uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's the idea that knowing the shepherd has the effect of resting. I noticed on the front of your bulletin, it talks about rest, the rest of the gospel. That's the rest that the shepherd provides for the sheep. Uh, Later on, it says that the, the shepherd takes the sheep and prepares a table before them. He gives them food to eat and drink so much so that they're overflowing and that they're, that, David says that his soul is overflowing with goodness. My cup overflows. It says that he anoints his head with oil. That means he refreshes the sheep. David describes a shepherd that meets all the mental, physical, and spiritual needs for his sheep. This means that, there, that if the Lord is your shepherd, he cares about every one of your needs And he wants to meet those needs. He might not give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. To those who are anxious and worried, he says, look at how I feed the birds of the air and clothe the grass. Aren't you worth a lot more than the grass and the birds? How will I not also provide for you? To the tired, the Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary And heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To the physically hungry, to those who are poor, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never let my children beg for bread. I will always feed the righteous. To all those who are spiritually hungry and spiritually thirsty, he gives this beautiful open invitation of the gospel. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The shepherd wants to feed you. He wants to meet all your needs. He invites you to come and feast on him. I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we feed on him? Do we let him feed us? Or do we try to feed ourselves on other things? Do we try to feed ourselves on social media? Do we try to feed ourselves on money and clothes and cars? Do we try to solve our loneliness through broken relationships? If so, the Lord is saying, I will feed you. All you've got to do is ask. Those other things will leave you hungry and thirsty. Uh, Recently, my youngest daughter broke her femur. Yeah, was bad. She's doing well now. But a couple months ago, she broke her femur. She was jumping on the trampoline with her brother. He fell, hit the, hit the femur, twisted it. It broke. I know, I know trampolines are dangerous. Please spare me. I understand. Okay. 
she broke her femur. And so to heal a femur, you, they put you in a cast from, a che- from your chest all the way down your legs. So hers went all the way down the broken leg and halfway down the other leg. She sat like this. She was immobilized. She literally could do nothing. We had to serve her all the time. We had to carry her to the bathroom. We had to carry her to the couch. We had to entertain her, feed her. Even at night, she would lay in bed and she would say, I can't move, mommy, come hold me. She could do nothing on her own. But we could do everything for her. All she had to do was ask. And we delighted to meet her needs. She just had to ask. Your shepherd delights to meet your needs. All you have to do is ask. Cry out to him, where is my shepherd? Where are you? Feed me. The shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd leads his sheep. The shepherd feeds his sheep. And lastly, the shepherd protects his sheep. This passage is read so often at funerals because of this middle section here where it talks about David and the shepherd walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The path of righteousness leads to the valley of the shadow of death. It leads through suffering. And this this word here for the shadow of death can also be translated the valley of deep darkness. So it's not just a valley of death. It's a valley of depression and confusion. It's a valley of fear. But notice that David says that he doesn't go into this valley alone. The shepherd goes with him. Even the shepherd probably went before him. That's how shepherds led their sheep. He wasn't in the darkness alone. He was in it with his shepherd. Sheep are defenseless animals. They can't put up a fight. And so when David saw the rod and the staff of his shepherd, that comforted him. That showed him that nothing was going to get to him because the shepherd was going to protect him. I once heard a, seminary, a story about a seminary professor who went to the Middle East and saw a modern-day shepherd. He said that as he was walking down the street, there was a grizzly man with a grizzly beard, a leather jacket, a sheep thrown over his shoulders, and two guns at his side. And he said when he saw that shepherd, he could tell that, that shepherd was telling everybody around him, you touch my sheep, I dare you. I will protect my sheep. A shepherd is a cowboy. If the Lord is your shepherd, he protects you. And you know what he says? He says, death, I dare you to touch my sheep. I will take you down. He says to the world, world, I dare you to try to touch my sheep. You can't harm a thing. You can't harm a hair on their head. He says to the flesh, our sinful nature, I dare you to try to take down my sheep. You will not overcome them. I will protect them. And he says to the devil, devil, all you can do is sit and be humiliated because you can't touch my sheep. I protect them. The world, the flesh, the devil, death, none of those things can get to the sheep because the shepherd is a cowboy who protects them. And not only does he protect them, he lets them celebrate in front of their enemies. I love this picture here. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right? The enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil, death, they have to sit and watch as we celebrate the victory that the shepherd gives us. A few weeks ago, we had the NBA finals. 
and much to the chagrin of Matt Odom and many others, the Cavaliers lost and the Warriors won. And at the end, they showed LeBron James and all the Cleveland Cavaliers walk into the locker room, kicking trash cans in disgust because they were defeated. Now imagine if the NBA didn't let them walk off the court. Imagine if the NBA made the Cavaliers sit there and watch the Golden State Warriors celebrate like the rest of us had to watch them celebrate. How humiliating would that be? That's what Psalm 23 says that our enemies have to do. They have to sit and watch as we celebrate the victory that the shepherd gives us. If the Lord is your shepherd, he protects you against everything. So the shepherd knows his sheep, he leads his sheep, he feeds his sheep, and he protects his sheep. That's what life is like with the shepherd. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's a life of completeness and wholeness and fullness. But if you're like me, there's some lingering questions, right? Like my heart is a little bit cynical. It just thinks, man, this is, this is like a Hallmark card or it's like a precious moment statue. This is so idealistic. It couldn't be real. My, if your heart is honest, then it probably says, man, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if the Lord is my shepherd. Or you might be saying, man, the Lord was my shepherd, but now I've really been following another shepherd. Or I've really been feeding on something else. You might be thinking, I've wandered far from the flock. If that's you, and that's me oftentimes, there's another aspect of the shepherd here in the passage. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The shepherd also pursues his sheep. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We have all rebelled and wandered and sought to meet our needs in other things, whether it's money or drugs and alcohol or other sorts of addictions or it's relationships. We have all rebelled and tried to meet our needs in those things, but the Lord pursued us in love. David wandered and the Lord pursued him. Israel wandered and the Lord pursued him. The passage in Ezekiel 34, the Lord rebukes Israel because all their shepherds have wandered and all their sheep have wandered. And so the Lord couldn't just be the Lord who was distant or far off. The Lord had to become a real physical shepherd to pursue his people. He did that in Jesus. He became a man in Jesus. He became a shepherd. And when Jesus saw the people, he looked at them, he said, it says he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then in John 10, the passage that we read earlier, that that Mr. Rice did such a great job reading, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And if you'll notice, he does everything Every aspect that the Lord does in Psalm 23. Jesus says, I know my sheep. He knows his sheep in a personal way, an intimate way. He says, I know my sheep and they know me. They hear my voice and what? They follow me. So he leads his sheep. If Jesus is your shepherd, then he leads you. If Jesus is your shepherd, then he knows you. Then it says that he protects his sheep. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I lay down my life for the sheep. Nobody can snatch them from my hands. He protects them. And he feeds them. 
He says, I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd that loves and pursues his sheep, even you, and he is loving and pursuing you right now. And I don't care if it's the first time or the thousandth time, if you cry out and you say, where's my shepherd? I need you, Jesus. Please be my shepherd. He is, he is there to meet all your needs because he loves you. If you say, Lord, I, I need you to know me. I need to know that I'm not alone. He will come to you. If you say, I need you to feed me or protect me or lead me, he will do it because Jesus has paid for your sins. He laid down his life to pay for your sins, to pay for your wandering so that you could be God's sheep. The good shepherd became a good sheep so that we could cry out, the Lord is my shepherd. That will melt our hard hearts. That will change us. And the last thing, I think if you're, if you're sort of cynical or you're struggling like me, you sort of look at this and you go, man, that's so idealistic. It's so picturesque. How do we experience it? Like, how do I actually experience this in my daily life? We experience the shepherd through the ordinary means of grace. We experience the feeding and the drinking of the gospel in the word read and the word preached. We experience knowing the Lord through prayer. We experience... Uh, being a sheep through the sacraments. Normally you have the Lord's Supper. You get to experience eating and drinking with the shepherd during that time. This morning we have a baptism. What a great picture of being one of those sheep. The baby was helpless. And by God's grace, the Lord of the universe said, I know you, you're mine, and here is a sign that you're mine. Now I don't know if they, like, how they mark sheep, but I know a thing or two about cattle because I'm from Oklahoma. And I know that if a sheep is yours, that sheep has your brand. And when you put your brand on, not that sheep, that cow. That cow is yours. You put your brand on that cow. And everybody who sees that brand knows that's, that's your cow. That's Shane's cow. Everybody that sees your baptism knows that's the Lord's sheep. That child has been marked all of her days to be a sheep of the great shepherd. And if you've been baptized into Christ... You are a sheep of the great shepherd, and that is your mark. He will always love you and pursue you. So he does it through the means of grace, and he does it through the church. He does it through under-shepherds, such as all the teaching elders we have here and all the ruling elders. That's your session. They are the shepherds. They know the sheep, feed the sheep, lead the sheep, and protect the sheep. Now, I don't know your elders, but I know all of these pastors that are here, and they are good shepherds. And Colin didn't bring me up here just to say that. You're good shepherds. Let them know you, lead you, feed you, and protect you. And let me, give me one, let me give you one more story to show you what this could look like. When I was in Tulsa, we planted a church uh, in, in a school. When you plant a church in a public school, you have to hire their custodian to help you set up and tear down all that other stuff. So... We were meeting in the school, and Jim was the custodian, so he would come on Sunday mornings to help us. Well, he also had a wife. Her name was Maggie. So Maggie would come with him, and eventually Maggie started worshiping with us. And after a time, she said, I'm a Christian. I want to join this church. And when our pastor, Ricky, met with her to talk about joining the church, she had a very odd question for him. She said, Pastor Ricky, before I join this church, I want to know one thing how are you going to care for me when I die? 
She had lived a really hard life. She'd been abused and beaten and mistreated, and death was very palpable to her, like maybe it is for you. And Ricky said, I can promise you two things. I'm going to lead you to Jesus, and when you die, you will not die alone. She said, okay. She joined the church. And from that, that moment on, the church met Maggie and Jim's physical and spiritual needs. They worshiped with us every week from then on. We employed them. We were able to meet their physical needs by giving them cars and giving them food. Just everything they needed. The church met all those needs. Then last year, Maggie was on her deathbed. She, but she wasn't alone. The church was with her. And when she passed away, there was an entire congregation there to celebrate her life. The church was with her in a real, tangible way. The Lord was her shepherd through the sheep. The Lord was her shepherd through the sheep. New St. Peter's is a real, tangible, physical way in, in which people can experience the shepherd. There are people out there who are like shepherd without a sheep. I'm sorry, like sheep without a shepherd. Go to them. Talk to them. Love them. And all you have to do is say, hey, come meet my shepherd. I've got a beautiful shepherd that meets all my needs. Would you come meet with him? Ask him, and he will meet your needs. If the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. If the Lord is their shepherd, they will lack nothing as well. Let's pray and thank the Lord for that. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us your good word that you love us that you pursue us, and that you provide all of our needs. We thank you so much. Please help our hard, stony, cynical hearts believe this, meditate on it, and live out of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.